Friends, as we go to Scripture time this morning, these, these are such familiar phrases for us, and we call them the Beatitudes. Now, I'm only doing the first seven. As we continue now in this, um, I think it's their fifth week in studying the Gospel of Matthew, these are not just attitudes that we're to take on. This is so much bigger than that. But what I want to ask of you as Shannon reads is to see how you're doing on these seven. What does this stir up for you? And let's see where this goes. Please stand as you are able for the hearing and receiving of the gospel. Hear the word of God. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. There's so much confusion around these phrases that somehow, I mean, even books written, I think Chuck Swindoll wrote a book on Be Happy Attitudes, and, and all based on these phrases out of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, when in fact it really isn't about attitude. It is so much more about action than attitude. But let me me throw out one of those incredibly, I mean, Rick, as he was singing um, the family fun night theme song before worship, um, he talked about the narthex and, you know, the theological name of that, um, and yeah, there's a lot of game playing that does happen out there, (laughs) but... But let me throw out another even longer word, and those of you that play words with friends, good luck finding enough letters for this one. The word is eschatological. I really have to pull that out every once in a while just to say that, yes, I do have a seminary education. Uh, Eschatological. Eschatological simply means a movement of time from the beginning of God's creation until the fulfillment of God's promises. That is eschatology. It is a fulfillment of time, certain things that happen at certain times so that we continue to move toward that fulfillment of what God's plan has been for creation. Eschatological, eschatology, eschatology. And so as Shannon read those phrases, what Jesus is defining in the Sermon on the Mount are those things that must happen in order for that fulfillment to take place. You with me on this? Do you understand what I mean? And so it's not just each one of us, it's what has to happen in the world. First service, we had a baptism, and the water is still here from that baptism, and little Asha was baptized, and as happens in every baptism, the parents are asked those specific questions, making sure that they are going to surround Asha with a a life of grace and love 
and filling her with an understanding of what it means to be followers of Christ. Those are commitments. Those are vows that they make. Those are promises that they fulfill. And even the rest of the congregation at first service, and you are a part of this, surrounded Asha with the commitment that we make for any who are baptized in this church, that we are going to surround them with that level, that incredible love and grace. So this morning, what I would like to do with you is take it further. To use all seven of those elements, all seven of those statements, those beatitudes, and explain a little tiny bit about each one, and then ask a question after each, and take just a moment particularly as we prepare for what's coming. The question that I want to begin with is, what brings peace? True peace. These are the answers to those questions. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Another way to say that is blessed are those who recognize their own spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who recognize their own spiritual poverty. It is in recognizing our own spiritual poverty that leads us toward recognizing our absolute need for God. Boy, in this day and age, we don't recognize that very much. And particularly in this country and even in this part of the country, we feel like we have everything we need. It's a hard thing to recognize our need and recognize our own spiritual poverty, but it is an essential piece at the beginning of these Beatitudes. And by the way, each one of these builds on the previous one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their own spiritual poverty, for they will witness and even then participate in the building of this new understanding, the fulfillment of what can be God's kingdom. Do you recognize your own spiritual poverty? If you don't, the rest will make little sense. Number two, blessed are those who mourn. I will tell you, mourning is one of the deepest of emotions, and guess which one is the most shallow? Anger. Anger is the easiest, quickest, most readily available of the emotions. To mourn, however, is to go much, much deeper. Those who mourn have allowed themselves deep relationships of trust and sharing. Those who mourn recognize that it is in feeling the depth of loss that we realize who we are and what we need and even what we've had. We don't live our lives on the surface. We don't succumb to the least of the emotions. We invest ourselves in relationships, in love, in loss, even in failure. We allow ourselves to mourn. And because we do, we will also be able to receive comfort. The tough question is, do you mourn 
Or are you so self-protective that you refuse to go deeper in relationships of risk? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will receive peace and comfort. Do you mourn? Number three, blessed are the meek. Of all of the Beatitudes, I think this is the one that is most clearly and often misunderstood. Let me rephrase it. Blessed are the meek who recognize that they are not God. Let's get something straight here. Meek does not mean weak. They are not synonymous. To be meek means that we recognize that we are not God, don't have all the answers, and can't have all the answers or any of the answers without a connection to the one who created us in the first place. Meek doesn't even mean mild unless you see Jesus as mild. I see Jesus as one of the most significant revolutionaries of all time, a revolutionary on every level other than violence. He recognized his need for God. He spent time to make sure he could hear God, bowed before God, and offered himself meekly to the one he sought to follow. Without any of that, there is no way to see what this fulfilled kingdom might look like. Blessed are the meek. And this is the amazing piece of it. For they, as beloved children of God, will inherit that kingdom. Are you meek? Are you meek? Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for living correctly or for righteousness. It is from this that they will find the kind of nourishment they truly need. I want to remind us that this is written in a time of absolute divest poverty. 98% of the people who are hearing these words when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger, they can feel it in the depth of their souls. They are hungry. And remember that this is being said in a place of desert. Every single one of these folks knew exactly what it meant to be thirsty. The hunger is so deep that the one thing that they long for more than anything is the nourishment that will help them get through the next day. In the desert, when you're thirsty, all you want is that drink. That's the kind of passion. That's the kind of investment. That's the kind of desire that we are to have to live our lives the way that God intended, to be bringers of peace to any and to all. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When's the last time you hungered or thirsted for being what God needs you to be? 
More on that in just a second. Number five. Blessed are the merciful who recognize the need to offer mercy based on the needs of another. Notice that things begin to shift with beatitude number five. It moves from the inward to the outward. But notice how each of these build, again, as I said on the previous, build one on top of the other, building a foundation for how we are to be. Without the recognition of our own need for God and God's mercy, without relationships that allow us to feel deeply for another, without an understanding of our meekness before God and the passionate desire to be bringers of peace to any and all, mercy becomes really challenging. My Lord, guys, what are we dealing with in our government right now? Holy Moses, are you kidding me? We are putting people out of work. You talk about removing peace from the lives of people. Maybe we should have a little more mercy for each other. And out of that mercy might we find a peace that allows us to move forward in a very challenging time. Mercy means that we feel with someone else, for someone else. Mercy means that we feel compassion and a desire to bring something more. Mercy allows us to forgive. It opens possibilities for love. Gosh, it is something we all need. Mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. Have you found mercy? Are you merciful? Number six. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will recognize the need for purity and strive toward it every day. One of the major cultural things that's happening in this time that Jesus is teaching is that there is ritual cleansing, the washing of hands before a meal. There are four times in the Passover feast where you are required to wash your hands. Washing signifies purity. But notice to wash, just think about as you got ready for church today, that you stood at the sink and you turned on the water and you filled your hands with soap and, and washed and then rinsed and then dried. Certain actions that are required in order for you to have clean hands. The same word for clean is also pure. It's an amazing thing in this culture. Think about the actions that are required for us to be pure in heart. It is about cleaning. It is about taking time to find those places where we're kind of separate from God. But we also need to figure out where we're going in order to become purer and cleaner. And that, again, goes back to the first five of the Beatitudes. But it requires action. For it is in the striving that we have any possibility of achieving purity. To strive at this level according to Christ. To do what John Wesley talked about, and that is striving toward perfection, is what's underneath this. It means that we have the possibility in this striving 
of seeing, experiencing the grace of heaven if we strive for this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you? Have you? Are you? Striving? Finally, blessed are the peacemakers. I cannot overstate what this means. For it is only in peacemaking that we find real peace within ourselves. So, are we bringing peace, each one of us, or causing conflict and chaos? This is where we stop for a moment and we examine every aspect of our lives. At home, with another, are you bringing peace or are you creating conflict and chaos? Did I mention that I live with a Portuguese woman? <laughs> a very passionate, you don't know her well yet, Portuguese woman. And yet we find a peace in the midst of this Englander and Portuguese, a way to find peace within that relationship. How about at work? Are you bringing peace at work or chaos and conflict? How about in your neighborhood? How about anywhere in your lives? How about the last time you went to the grocery store? Peace, conflict, or chaos? Every moment becomes a self-examination moment if we're truly to be peacemakers. But then we have to think about it much more globally. And what are we doing about bringing peace? Or are we continuing to bring conflict and chaos when really our role is peacemaking? What's amazing is I think of Kara Bennett's project and working with Panchai in Thailand. And many of you have heard about this project that three years ago, this boarding house was built by this incredible man in Thailand. But on the Myanmar side, and within months, the government came in with its soldiers and burned it to the ground. They don't want the children educated. They don't want the children at peace. They want them in refugee camps. And yet... Here is this one of God who has come into that situation and now chosen to build the boarding house well within a mile of the Myanmar border but on the Thailand side. For those same children who can cross the river and come and find peace and education and safety because of Panchai. It's amazing. Christy, I think of what you do in Ethiopia and other places around the world. I think of, of Rhodey and Alice and what they're doing in the Congo. I think of so many that are trying to bring peace to others in this area through Sophia Way or Hammond House or Crossroads or the, the plethora of places where Andrews Glen where we seek to bring peace to the lives of others. Blessed are the peacemakers Are you bringing peace? Or are we bringing conflict and chaos? It is so important, I can't overstate it, that if we are in any way to witness 
this kingdom of God and the fulfillment of that, we have to understand that our role is to bring peace at every level. Those are the seven. Those are the deeper pieces. And our role as individuals within those is very important. Our role as a church, our role as a community, our role as a country, and our role in the world. God desires all to be fed and all to be at peace. The final piece of this is, it's also up to us to figure out where we're not at peace within ourselves. It's awfully difficult to bring it to others if we're not at peace in ourselves. Spend some time on that. Go back through these seven and go through them all. And with this in mind, with all of this in mind, we now turn toward the sharing of bread and cup. And I want to remind us, it's 